So welcome to this week's Treasury Career Podcast, where I interview Treasury professionals about their Treasury careers. We're having a great time talking to Treasurers globally about their roles, how they built their careers, where they are now, where they see themselves and the Treasury profession going next. In this week's show, I'm delighted to be joined by a very good friend of mine, Nick Taylor, the Head of Group Capital and Treasury at Schroders. Founded in 1804, Schroeder's PLC are a British multinational asset management group. The company employs over 4,700 people in 30 different countries across Europe, America, Asia, Africa, and the Middle East, right the way across. Headquartered in London, they're listed on the London Stock Exchange and is a constituent of the FTSE 100 Index. Schroeder's a public company, but the Schroeder family, through trustee companies, individual ownership, and charities, still control nearly 48% of the company's ordinary shares. So they have a very strong interest in the group to this day. I wanted to talk to Nick today about his career within Treasury. And with all our guests, I'd like to discuss how they got to where they are in terms of their Treasury career, discuss their present role, and talk about where they see the future of Treasury and the future of uh, our guests themselves. Given my recruitment background, I also talk about Treasury talent and the recruitment ethos of Schroders and when they recruit. and Nick, looking back at your background, you actually decided was finance was a an early career choice for you way back when, when you started, I think, post-A level. Is that right? Or over to you? Uh, yeah. Hi, Mike. Uh, that, that's right. So um, I left school uh, with appalling A level grades and that gave me a bit of a wake up call. Um, so I had to decide what I wanted to do. And uh, I didn't want to go to university, which in some ways I regret, but at the time I didn't. Um, and so I had to work out what it was I was going to do. And I thought I wanted to go into business of some kind. And I figured out that accountancy was a language of business. So I decided to go to college and study a CCA full time, uh, for three years. And, um, well, there are elements of accountancy, which are a little bit dry, shall we say. And the, the, the area that was keeping me interested in the final year was, uh, back then called financial management. Um, and I did a bit of digging around into that, and the closest thing I could find was was Treasury. Uh, so that's how I came across Treasury. Um, I decided to go straight on before working to do the ACT exams. Um, so from three years of accountancy, I, I then went and did a full year of ACT, um, right. which was a cor- correspondence course. So it was sitting at home uh, learning, and that's how it all started. But that was whilst working as well. So you did it distance learning. Well, no, I, I, I actually wasn't. I actually wasn't working really. Yeah. Um, so it was a it was a predominantly correspondence course with some weekend events, um, some weekend tuition. And at the yeah. first weekend uh, tuition, um, I, I spoke to the chap who was chairing the day, who was a treasurer himself of a private bank, and I explained yeah. what I was doing, and I explained that you know treasury is a very uh, practical subject <clears throat> so I was a little bit concerned that I was sitting at home uh, reading textbooks on it and he said well why don't you come and work for me for a day or two a week so I was I ended up getting a little bit of part-time experience in the treasury function of a private bank um, but you know most most of the time it was uh, I started off with my head in treasury books right and then and then from there you finished your exams and do you start looking around or did jobs come knocking I did no no I, I, I did start looking around and I guess one of the things that's changed a lot in the last 25 years or so is the way uh, jobs are advertised so I actually saw 
an advert in the Financial Times for a cash analyst um, for what was Owners Abroad, which went on to become First Choice Holidays. Right. And um, I somehow managed to uh, to get the job, um, which was which was you know not that easy because they were looking for someone with three years experience. But um, I did. You know, one of the lessons I I learned was that uh, preparation pays off. So I did an immense amount of preparation for the interview, and had, had done a kind of mini, I suppose, financial analysis myself of the company, and went to the interview and was able to talk about what I thought were the the risks that the company was facing, and I was lucky enough for someone to give me a break. So I got into in, into uh, owners abroad as a cash analyst within the tour operating division, and after being there for a year or two, I was able to move into the group treasury function. Ah. So it was a it was from cash analyst to treasury analyst uh, is how I started. And then after two years there, you you then made another move. What brought that on? Or? I did. I, I I had a great time at Owners Abroad, um, but from a treasury perspective, I, I you know I, I was I was young and had had learnt a lot, and there there wasn't anywhere for me to go um, for the foreseeable future. Uh, and I was, um, I suppose, encouraged or by <laughs> by the pound signs to uh, to <laughs> not by to go and work, <laughs> to to go and work um, in uh, in the city. For a right. bank, Bankers Trust, um, and I worked in their futures uh, subsidiary as as uh, what was called the assistant treasurer, um, but it was it was really focused on day to day cash operations, and it was interesting to see the inside of a bank. Uh, but back then, for me, I, I, I found the culture uh, didn't suit me, um, and also it was it was treasury you know, in a futures broker. So it was, it was pretty limited and not as broad, uh, as I was wanting. Right. So I had a, I had a bit of a shock, I suppose. Um, and it was probably when I look back on the things, the career I've had and the places I've been for me, that was probably, uh, that was probably the mistake because culturally it didn't fit me. Uh, so I stayed there for about 18 months and then moved from there to, uh, Tenneco, um, which was a U.S. conglomerate, which had its international treasury center in London. Uh, and so I was there for a number of years um, looking after the uh, international treasury operations of that company. And, and Teleco, they were logistics? No, weren't logistics. They were uh, shipbuilding, energy, packaging, uh, and car parts. Right. So yeah. shock, shock absorbers and exhausts. So right, really, right, quite, right. really quite diversified. And then you, you did that role, but then you came back to it or whatever. Or talk me through that period, sort of thing. I, I, I did. <laughs> yeah, my, my CV in some ways looks a bit odd. Um, so, uh, Teneco being an American company, um, at the the head office at one point did a review uh, of of where the treasury activity was taking place. And times got a little bit tough, and they decided that they needed to shut the London office in order to save costs. Right. And uh, you know we we all saw this coming, so I I began to look for a different role, and um, was offered the role of uh, deputy treasurer at United News and Media, which was a FTSE 100 media group at the time. Um, so 
I was getting prepared to to leave to go there, and then Tenneco uh, did did their analysis to work out where they were going to relocate the treasury activity that was taking place in London, because it had to be done somewhere. Uh, but they wanted to move it somewhere to to cut costs. And after the analysis was done, um, the answer they came up with was uh, London. <laughs> so um, <laughs> they offered us all our jobs back, uh, but but I had I'd already been offered a role at United News and Media. So I went off to do that um, for probably three years, I think. And um, that got me to the end of 1999. And I just decided that I wanted to take a year out. Um, I'd always had an interest in in money, which I guess is a good thing for a treasurer. Yeah. Um, but, I'd, but I'd always wanted to get to a point where I could I could manage my own money um, and really invest my own money. So I took a year out to uh, sit at home and develop a trading and investment strategy, um, which was reasonably successful, but quite lonely. Right. And I got to the end, the end of the first year of doing that. And the uh, treasurer for Tenneco in London rang me up and said she was going on maternity leave. Would there be any chance that I could come back and cover? Yeah. And it just happened to coincide with a time when uh, I was pretty lonely at home. <laughs> And um, I thought, actually, I've developed this trading and investment strategy. I can actually, you know, do both. So I can, you know, I can develop my treasury career and, you know, just like we all do, um, think about where my pension allocations are going to go using my own my own strategy. So I went back to Tenneco um, to cover for the maternity leave. And then Tenneco decided properly that they really were going to shut the London office and outsource right. the treasury activity. Um, so that's that's what got me back to Tenneco, uh, and then from there I went to Excel, yeah, which was a FTSE 100 logistics firm, um, and I went there as uh, assistant treasurer, became deputy treasurer, and then eventually group treasurer. And Excel then was taken over by Deutsche Post. Deutsche Post owns uh, DHL. Yeah. So Deutsche Post bought XL to to swallow it up into uh, into into DHL. So um, it was then time to to find somewhere else, and um, I was speaking to a, a, a friend of mine who I had worked with. He was a banker at J.P. Morgan, right? Uh, and he had actually he had actually become the the treasurer of United News and Media um, for, the, for the last six months or so when I was there. So had been a banker that I knew, then a, then a boss and then a friend. And uh, when I was looking for a role after Excel, he said, oh, you need to go and talk to my friend, uh, David Brown at Man Group. Man Group um, back then was a, a hedge fund manager and a, and a futures broker. He said, go and have a chat to David. So I went along and had to chat to David, not knowing what I was going to be, you know, what the purpose of the chat was other than, hello, David, I'm a friend of Tim Collier's. Uh, he yeah. suggested I come and talk to you. And I've been very, very lucky. My, my timing couldn't have been better uh, because Man Group's group treasury function at the time sat within one of their divisions, the brokerage business, and they were preparing to float that business on the New York Stock Exchange and obviously realized that if they float the division, the group treasury function is going to go with it. So they needed to create uh, a new treasury function um, within the hedge fund business. Yeah. 
from scratch. And I was, I was, I was, I was, I was from scratch, and I was fortunate enough to be given that role. So um, I started in September 2006 uh, on my own. Uh, blank sheet of play, paper, no systems, no processes, yeah. no people, uh, and then told to build a treasury function. Just before that, so you, as you'd explained there, Tim had, you know, an ex-banker had gone into the corporate side, and then you were making the reverse move. You know, were there, you know, what were your concerns or, you know, you'd been corporate treasury all the way through? Uh, and now the move yeah. to sort of banking, asset management, you know, sort of the switch across. How did you find that or what were your concerns at that stage? Uh, I didn't have any concerns, but that was possibly because of naivety. Um, I mean, what I've, what I've found is doing treasury in a financial services business, there's an extra dimension and the extra dimension is, is regulation. Right. And in, in the financial services sector, with regulation comes a regulatory capital requirement and a regulatory liquidity requirement. So, you know, whereas in um, non-financial services, corporates, you're looking at an optimum, optimal capital structure and looking to get the equity and debt mix right and all of that stuff. Within the financial services sector, um, you're also having to make sure that you're capital composition and the amount of capital you're holding is you know meeting the uh, the regulatory requirements and also having to do the same on the on the, on the liquidity side as well are those um, so it just adds adds an extra dimension well those requirements have changed drastically since you started you know with Mangrid back in 06 when you were there uh, yeah i mean yeah very very much so i mean the you know the as you would expect the the requirements have got more onerous and more detailed. Um, so, absolutely. Yeah. And with the so, uh, blank sheets of paper, um, Greenfield, as it were, for for Man Group, you you had to build a treasury. How did you go about it? And you know, and for the listeners, as it were. So, if, if any of those guys are walking in, right here, you go. Here's a blank sheet of paper. They can go right here. You go. Here's the Nick Taylor plan. Let's do this. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, I mean, it, it was the, the priority was was uh, I suppose daily cash operations and daily liquidity management. So, rather than capital structure, um, which was really a given because you know the, the Man Group was already listed on the stock exchange, um, and I was going to be inheriting the capital structure post the flotation of the uh, the brokerage business. The focus really was, well, how are we going to manage the group's liquidity on a daily basis? Um, so we had to, um, well, I had to select a system um, and then slowly build a small team. Um, so I actually built the team uh, internally from, from within MAN. So my priority wasn't um, necessarily to have anyone with, with you know treasury experience. It was more to find people within the company who understood the company and had the right attitude. Yeah. And you have um, and having, worked internally. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and having said, you know, experience wasn't, wasn't a priority. Um, what's quite fortunate inside, in, inside a financial services firm is there are other areas within the business that also do activity, which some people would think of as, you know, or describe as treasury activity. 
So there are other functions, you know, managing the fund's cash rather than the firm's cash. Um, so, you know, w one of the places I was able to recruit from internally was from uh, product operations where, there, where you know, there was a team of people um, on a daily basis managing the fund's cash. So they had, they had the basics and they knew something about the firm. Um, so that's, that's how it all started. Yeah. So the focus was, was, you know, managing the group's cash on a daily basis. Uh, once that was under control and I said, I, I started at man group in September, 2006, we went live with the new treasury function, um, on the 1st of July, 2007. Wow. So it was a really pretty quick, um, you know, building the basics was really quite quick. Yeah. And once once that was up and running, the, the focus then became on optimizing the group's capital structure. So we had we had the day to day processes working, and then it was well, how do we optimize this this group's capital structure and get the the right mix of equity and debt and and regulatory capital qualifying debt? Um, and of course, you know, in 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 two thousand and seven, um, there weren't that many people, if any people, aware that there was a financial crisis about to come. Yeah. So we were we were we were in growth mode, and we were putting in place a capital structure to see the group through a period of growth. Um, and then came and then along came the financial crisis. Yeah. So having having put this having put this great capital structure in place, um, then the world became a bit tough, uh, yeah. particularly you know in the financial markets. Uh, so then it was a case of well, actually now we've got to batten down the hatches. And we've actually got to find a way to cut costs. Um, and then, so then we ended up doing the reverse, which is unwinding a large part of the capital structure in order to take out um, interest expense because we were, you know, no longer in, uh, or temporarily, no longer in growth mode. Yeah. It was coping mode sort of thing. Yeah. 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 Wow. So you got through that. And then how did you continue to develop Treasury from there? Or, you know, how did it change for you? Um, it became, I suppose it was about making the day-to-day -day function as efficient as possible. Um, you know, with a focus on costs, we went from being a team of seven, uh, down to a team of four. Um, so it was about, you know, becoming as efficient as possible, cutting costs. Um, and for me personally, it was all, it was all working very, very well. Um, but you know, I, I had obviously been doing treasury for quite a few years and had, had decided that, you know, I was very happy, um, with a career in treasury, um, wasn't actively pursuing or trying to pursue a move from treasury to, you know, a divisional CFO or a company CFO role. Very happy, happy to be a treasury specialist. Um, and so I felt that I had, you know, got as far as I could where I was, uh, and so began to think about moving on. And then Schroders came along, and what was it? What was the pull factor for that role versus, you know, continuing at Man? As you say, there was a, probably it sounds like there was a natural time to look, but you know, what was the pull factors in particular about Schroders? Uh, no, a number of things. Um, first of all, still in the financial services sector, still an asset manager. Um, a large, very well-established, very well-respected asset manager. 
Um, and so, you know, the name was obviously known to me. So when I heard about it, I thought, wow, you know, in terms of UK listed asset managers, if not European listed asset managers, this is the best. Um, this sounds very interesting. But the real pull, other than the sector and the firm itself, was that the the opportunity there was to, I suppose, um, help improve a function that wasn't working as well as it uh, could have been. Right. Um, How was it structured before when you walked in the door? What was the... Well, I mean, there was there was a function there. Uh, there was a system there and there, were, there was a process or there were processes there. Right. Um, but not, you know, not, not really fit for purpose. Yeah. Or not, not fit for purpose at that point in the firm's evolution. Yeah, growth um, in the future and setting up, because you've been through it with man, so it's how, you know, do it again sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I knew, I knew, um, I knew what good looked like. Um, so I knew, you know, having, having spent a little bit of time at Schroeder's, it was, it was quite clear to me quite quickly um, what needed to be done. Um, you know, nothing, no, no rocket science, reasonably straightforward um, in that we needed to uh, simplify and, and enhance our processes. Um, once again, put in a new system, um, which sounds perhaps maybe extravagant, but it wasn't. Um, we went for something which was, you know, a- absolutely fit for purpose, but not over-engineered and uh, not over-spec'd. Um, and really just as simple as creating some direction and purpose and, 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 and clearly stating what, what the, you know, what the function of the treasury function within Schroeder's is all about, because, you know, that they can vary from firm to firm. We all know, we, we all know what treasury does, but it can be a little bit different in different firms. And what's your definition of, you know, a successful treasury in Schroeder's then, you know, as you say, different over here, but you know, what's your, you know, you have it on the wall, this is what we do, or this is who we are. What, what would you say that yeah. is in your head? Well, the biggest difference is up until joining Schroeder's, Treasury for me was, you know, it's the textbook definition of, of having the right amount of funds in the right currency in the right place at the right time. Yeah. But uh, in other firms I've worked at, you know, the, the, the capital structure has involved debt or some debt. Um, in order to you know try and get the equity to debt mix right for efficiency purposes, um, Schroeder's is different. We don't have any debt, um, and that's you know that's by design. And instead, what we have is a is a large pool of assets. So, from a treasurer, I went from uh, managing liabilities and debt to managing assets, um, and um, you know that's quite that's quite refreshing it's not totally unusual there are other firms out there that you know have have big investment portfolios but from a treasury perspective it's been you know it's been very interesting to switch from one side of the balance sheet to the other and think about how we you know optimize our investment portfolio and think about what it's there for so you know in Schroeder's case it's surplus capital that has, has been built up uh, over the years from profits and also um selling the investment bank some time ago and it's there for future investment in the business so it has to be you know it has to be available when it's needed for either organic growth or inorganic growth 
Um, but it's just a, you know, it's, a, it's, it's I suppose it's a, it's well, it is the other side of the balance sheet, and it's just quite interesting for a change to switch from focusing on the liability side to the asset side. And and I, you know, mentioned at the the start of the show the. The, the Schroeder, you know, the Schroeder family still have very much an active interest. Um, control nearly forty-eight percent of the group shares uh, through the trustee companies and everything else. It sounds like that that makes a difference as well. I know we've discussed it before. Or, you know, how does that, you know, affect things within Treasury? Or you know, what ethos does that give you back as a firm? Well, Schroeder's, as you said at the beginning, Mike, has been around for. Uh, uh, you know, it's been around for over 200 years. Yeah, 18 And the, fo- the focus is, the focus is um, uh, making sure that uh, we're around for the next 200 years. Right. So, it's, you know, there, there are, the, the focus, I, I know we all say this, but um, the focus really is on the long term um, ra- rather than rather than short term. Um, and, you know, when, when, when a firm has got that length of history and was started by a family who are still a large minority shareholder um, that creates stability and and very much a long-term focus and with, with yourself you, you you and I have talked about the the fact that there's an individual accountability or a, a black book as it were you know without giving too much you know away Talk to me about how that relationship has worked. Because, you know, we've discussed it before, and I think as long as it's public information, that is. But how are you held accountable as a treasurer, which I think is quite different to, you know, many of my other clients within Treasury? Yeah, I mean, that's a very good point. Although although, although Treasury, well, although my Treasury function is not a profit centre, yeah. um, the culture is such that I am encouraged, well, not not just encouraged, asked, I have been asked, to record and keep a record of things that we do as a function that either save money or you know enhance returns. So enhance returns might sound like we're you know we're chasing yield and we're risky. It's not about that at all. It's just uh, I suppose encouraging us to stop and think about what we're doing and what is the impact on costs and what is the impact on revenue and actually making sure we you know, we write that down. And get the best um, value. Yeah, and get and get get the best value. I mean, the the the, the question, an expression um, that is quite common in traders is, "What would you do if it was your own money?" Right. So, you know, you need to think whenever we're doing anything, if this was our own money, what would we do? And that that really helps, um, you know, clarify thinking actually. And it's and it's really quite interesting when you have to sit down and record um, the things that the function has done to either save money or create, you know, income. Um, it's really quite a, a useful exercise and it can be quite surprising what some of the results are. So, you know, we all have objectives and we all, you know, sit, sit down halfway through the year or at the end of the year and review our objectives and work out whether we've met them or not or exceeded them. But actually, when you actually need to quantify the impact that you've had as a function, um, it's 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 quite motivating. Yeah, and when you do that, you, you say, is that, is that group team wide rather? You know, do you do each of the do you do this with your team or is it group values? How do you work? Well, I, I I was asked to do it 
um, uh, you know, by, by one of our <clears throat> um, senior, one of our one of our directors. Um, but I've been doing it. I don't know whether other areas do it, um, but that's how it came about for me. And um, you know, I'm doing I'm doing it for for the function. Um, but I'm the one that presents it, but presents it on behalf of the function. But you do it with the the team. You know, how many are in the actual treasury team with yourself? Uh, it, there are five of us in total. So it's I, I would say for what we I would say for what we do, but I would say this, wouldn't I? Um, it's quite it's a small team for you know the activity that we're doing. And you know, leading that team, you know. You know, without the usual uh, words about, oh, I'm a great boss, and blah, blah, blah. You know, how do you, you know, what's your ethos about mentoring those guys or, you know, acting as a, you know, experienced treasury guy? So you're going to know what you're doing, but how do you do it? What's your ethos? How do I do it? Um, uh, well, um, I don't. I, I don't, I don't think this is necessarily um, particularly, you know, unusual. But I think what's important is to have a clear sense of direction and purpose. So, you know, defining what it is that this particular treasury function is here to do uh, so that everyone in the team knows the direction we're going in. So what we're doing needs to be aligned to what the firm is doing so we can look at what the firm's, you know, strategic objectives are. And then we can define what it is we need to do to help contribute towards those. That gives you the overall direction. Um, I think the other thing that's important is some clear uh, annual objectives in order you know, that we all maintain focus. And then the, the other thing I think is, is adjusting you know, one's management or leadership style for the people you're working with, um, because we're all different, aren't we? And you know, some people like to be left alone to get on with things, but like to know that if they need some help, you know, you're there. And other people like more, more interaction, um, more regular feedback. So I think it's about you know being alert to uh, what different people require and, and and how they work work best, what management style suits them best. So you got um, I don't think. Sorry, go on. No, I don't, I don't think one. You know, I don't think. Um, applying one management style to everyone, uh, it, it get you know help helps people perform their best. So you've got quite a diverse. I think you've got different levels of seniority within the, within the team. Is that right? Yeah. So um, we have an assistant treasurer who has been at Schroders for uh, uh, over fifteen years, heading towards twenty. Uh, we've got, and then we've got four treasury analysts. Sorry, not four treasury analysts. Three treasury analysts. Um, two are focused on day-to-day cash operations, and one is uh, one, one does what their title says. Really, does the analysis. Yeah. So we have to we have to report uh, to our internal capital committee every month on on the world of treasury, really, and and you know where is the group's cash? What are we doing with it? Um, and probably the biggest focus actually is the group's investment portfolio. What's it invested in? How's it performing? So we have one treasury analyst who, who, amongst other things, but their main responsibility is to produce the report that goes to the capital committee uh, every month. That report uh, started off as a blank sheet of paper um, and is now, uh, not, not that quantity is necessarily everything, but is now about 38 pages. Wow. Um, 
to to show the committee, um, you know, what we're doing. What does our regulatory capital position look like? What does our liquidity look like? Where's our cash? And, you know, where are the investments and how are they performing? Um, and there's something in that report, not just the content, but the structure, that changes every single month. Um, and that's because we need to, as a, as a treasury function, we need to adjust to what's going on in the business. And the business is constantly changing. Uh, and, you know, we, we're, we're changing with it. And you, you looking at that, those team members, I mean, now, and, and full disclosure, obviously you're on a podcast hosted by the Treasury Recruitment Company. Um, and, you know, I was going to say, when, when you're recruiting, what do you look for? We have recently recruited for yourselves. So I think hopefully we've got it. But, you know, when you are recruiting, what, what are you looking for in terms of, you know, personality, ethos, or what, what's, what's the key thing for you that, you know, is it, oh, wow, this CV's got this, this, this. Obviously, you've got diverse mm-hmm. background yourself. Or what, are the, what gets someone straight onto the yes pile versus the maybes versus maybe we'll look at them or possibly not, so they, those three um, Well, you, uh, I mean, you know, working, working with you, Mike, you obviously, you, you offer us a, you know, a few CVs which have been filtered. So the yeah. first thing is to have filtered CVs. But then it's, um, you know, then it, then it's the what does the CV look like? So what is the experience? Um, uh, let's not have a CV with any spelling mistakes in it. Oh no! Um, <laughs> but the, the most important, the most important thing for me, which you can't always get off a CV, which is why it's you know it's important that um, that we have you know your input into the process because you've met the people and you're. You know, you're recommending them, and you, if you've met them, you know what they're like. But the most important thing when we actually get to meet the people is the attitude for me. Um, it's not so much the experience. Um, it's not so much the qualifications. It's the attitude and the keenness to, you know, to contribute and make a difference. And, um, you know, an interest in the business. One of the things that really staggers me is the number of people over the years that I've interviewed. And one of one of my first questions in an in- interview would be, tell me what you know about Schroders uh, or whichever company it is. Yeah. But tell me what you know about Schroders. And, and if people can't tell you a lot, I, I stop and think, well, why on earth would you want to come to work for a company you don't really know much about? Yeah. So it's uh, so for me it's 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 you know to go back to your question it's it's the attitude um, is there is there an attitude to do the best is there a willingness to do the best so they kind of, you mentioned about CVs there just going back a stage I think you've got a bit of a bugbear as I recall on on CVs about systems would that be right or some things I remember you saying before. Uh, I, I'm, I say about myself, Mike, if I had the time, I'd have OCD. Um, I, I am a bit, uh, of, of, uh, a one for presentation and attention to detail. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I do pay a lot of attention to, to, to CVs. And I remember you saying, I think when it said about IT systems, if it says Microsoft Word on there, I think that's something that you said. The, the the frustrates you should we say uh, yeah because i think i mean that's just you know Basic. adding a cv isn't it we all yeah. we all we all know how to 
uh, even if even, even if it's at a very basic level, we all know how to use Microsoft Word. Yeah. Um, so I, um, I, I might be sounding a little bit harsh here. Obviously, if the person has very little experience and the CV needs to to, to be you know filled up a little bit, yeah. I am understanding. But if it's someone with lots of experience and um, there are systems listed on there that are just padding, um, yeah. it, it, it's a bit of a warning sign to me. And I think that's the thing we've talked about, you know, we talked about clarity of uh, communication. It was one of the things that came through in last week's uh, podcast with Sarah Jane Hall from GSK. And they actually, when they're doing an interview, they actually have their own communication test that they actually do. They do a sort of mini case study. And she, and I was like, oh, wow. How come? She said, because communication within Treasury is key, you know, and that's yeah. such an underestimated factor oh it's all about the numbers oh it's all about this um and actually she said it's not it's about then explaining what that means so yes absolutely okay so looking back over your sort of your career you know any standout moments for you you know what's been the greatest challenge you sort of looked at and thought this is what i need to get over or, or develop well, I, I mean, I think the two, I've got two standouts for me. One is, uh, one is the current Rolls Roaders because of, um, you know, it involved, um, helping a treasury function, which wasn't, wor- wasn't working as well as it should have been. Uh, so, so turning something around, um, was great. And then before that, the previous role at Man Group where, you know, we built something from nothing. Um, I think it's, you know, it, it's really satisfying to either build something or fix something. Um, it's obviously great once you've done that to, to, you know, keep it running as as well as it can possibly run. But having the challenge of creating something from nothing or, or fixing something um, has been particularly satisfying. And if someone wants a career like like, like yourself or in a similar way, what's the advice you're going to give them, you know, whether they're early stages or mid-stages of their career and they say, actually, you know, looking at Nick's background, that sounds like something I'd like to pursue. What, what would you say? Again, looking back, Sarah Jane at GSK, one of the key things for her that stood out for her was qualifications. And she's, you know, she wasn't hung up on any particular one. She was like, you know, just do them, you know, just get in there, get stuck in and everything else. But, you know, if you look at it yourself, what, you know, if you, again, if you want someone or someone looks at ah, that's the way I want to follow, what would you, what advice would you give those guys? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm repeating myself a little bit, but the, the first, the first thing is no, no, no. I, I apologize. The first thing is the the, the positive attitude. But yeah. I, I totally agree with what you and Sarah Jane have said about qualifications. Um, you know, if you start with the right attitude, then the desire to develop uh, should should come with that. Um, and you know, I think it really stands out when someone has has made the effort to invest in themselves uh, through qualifications. And in fact, I was talking to someone we've got uh, working with us at the moment on a, a, a temporary basis who's recently you know, graduated from university. And we were having exactly this conversation about how important it is to, you know, to, to continue to, to get the qualifications and think about which qualifications are relevant to, to what you want to do. Yeah. So I, I, I totally agree with that. Okay. Brilliant. Um, 
anything else you think we haven't covered? You know, there's obviously, you know, lots of other challenges coming at Treasurers. You know, you've got Brexit, you've got uh, all Treasurers are going to be replaced by robots, we hear. Um, all the IT things, automation, you go to every conference <laughs> known to man as we have and, and all that stuff. You know, anything else you're thinking about? You know, where, where does, you know, where do you go as Nick Taylor? Where does the Schroeder's function go from here? Well, I think I think with any let, let's start with the Schroder's Treasury yep. function, but it can be applied to any Treasury function. I think yep. it's the world is a rapidly changing place, and it seems that you know the pace of change seems to be getting faster. Um, and for Treasury, that means moving with the change that's happening in the business. Um, so it's 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 I've I, when I've. Um, you know, been running a treasury function for a bit, and I'm happy that the way that particular function is running. And it comes to you know the end of the year, and we're beginning to think about well, what are we going to do next year. There have been quite a few years when I thought, do you know what? I'm actually not sure what we're going to do next year because Touchwood, the processes are working, the people are working, the systems are working. It's all running very smoothly, but there's always something that comes along um, to that causes the treasury function to have to move with the way the business is moving. So it's not always easy to predict what that change is going to be, but there is always something. Um, so I can't, I, at the moment, I can't, you know, I, I can tell you in the case of Schroeder's, um, the, the business continues to be, to, to, to diversify more and move into different asset classes. So for us, um, you know, there's an expectation of growing our private assets business um, and that will have implications for Treasury, and it, it is already. Yeah. Um, so I think you know the, the the overall answer is things constantly change. It doesn't have to be technology that's causing the change. The underlying business change changes because the world is changing, and we have to adapt to that. Um, I can't see that we'll all be replaced by robots. <laughs> I think there are you know there are thankfully yeah. uh, there are obviously processes that can be performed by robots. Um, but strategy and adapting to how the business is changing, um, at the moment at least, seems difficult to get a robot to do. Yeah. Well, we talked about this, you know, I've talked about this with yourself and Sarah Jane as well, that, you know, a number of other treasurers that, you know, open skills and open-ended stuff, that's what yeah. we as people do and cope with. It just means that the closing stuff, the rote learning, the turn the handle, yeah, yeah. You can automate that, but actually, treasury by its very nature is the future. Is unpredictable. Is you know everything else that you know gets thrown at treasurers every day. You know, people have said, "Oh, well, exa you know, exactly, yeah. exactly." I think um, you know you've hit the nail on the head there, Mike. With with treasury, one of the differences is treasury is about now and the future. It's much much less about looking back and recording what happened in the past. We obviously need to do that. We need to have good records and we need to know what we did in the past and we need to learn from the past. But it's more about what are we doing today and what's coming at us and you know what are we going to be doing in the future. Um, that seems, at this stage at least, quite difficult to, to imagine that a robot is going to be able to um, think strategically into the future and, and ask you know questions and then react to the answers to those questions nick that was fantastic thanks very much for your time today um obviously you know a number of people might want to reach out to yourself are they okay to you know 
potentially if they're they're interested in treasury you know look at you on linkedin you see nick's very successful career um feel free to connect with us if that's all right with you is you you still like yeah of course yeah uh, still still active on linkedin and yeah please anyone that wants to please do get in touch brilliant stuff and thanks for your time today that's a pleasure thanks mike